Pastor Paul said that this is the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. So why don't we just do that for a couple moments. Rejoice in the Lord this morning. God, you're worthy. Lord, we honor you, Lord. We're grateful for you, God. Lord, we're thankful this morning. We praise you, God, because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this divine moment, God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to commune with you. Lord, I pray, God, that this would be the last words that I speak, and from here on out, you would speak. Lord, that you would anoint this time. God, that we wouldn't waste this moment, Father, but, Lord, we would invest in what you have called this day to be. So today, God, we lean in. We lean into you. We lean into your word to your will, and into your worship. God, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Family, so uh, honored to be with you all this morning. As I uh, told the uh, team a little bit earlier, I'm your cousin from up the street. Uh, so uh, we are in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, so uh, grateful to have Pastor Paul and my uh, wife, uh, Taylor, as well. Uh, you've got amazing leaders here. Will we just thank God for the leadership in this house? Um, we are going to be continuing in our sermon series, Team Mates Matter, and I've come with a message called Built Together, Built Together. And as I was thinking about uh, all that God is doing here, I told Pastor Paul that I've simply come uh, to preach uh, their, your, your, your mission of your church, reconcile to God and reconcile to each other. Um, and to do that, we're going to go to Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. I appreciate Pastor Paul's uh, way in which he is saying he's going to encourage a, a, a new seating arrangement. I realize that I'm speaking to like this, this chasm here. Well, this is, this is great. So uh, I, I look forward to uh, how that'll go into play later on. Uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 11 uh, through 22. Um, and we will read the scriptures together. Now, at, D at Divine Unity Community Church, my, my church, uh, we stand for the reading of the word. Would you all just mind letting me feel at home and standing as I read the word this morning? It says this, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. It says, so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressing regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put to death the hostility. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets 
with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Amen, family. You may be seated. You know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I have uh, to serve uh, this house this morning. Um, in addition to uh, serving this house, I do serve uh, at my home church in, in, uh, in Divine Unity Community Church. Uh, but I also get a chance to serve uh, prophetically different places uh, in our every nation world, our, our family of churches. And what I have found uh, is that uh, my calendar at times gets more full uh, than I actually have time for. Has anybody ever had those moments too? Uh, that that in the in in the in the day to day uh, there is a, a moment in which uh, they've got more more requests than I actually have days. Anybody have that happen to them? Well, I find that when I'm trying to discern uh, what things I should say yes to, what things I should say no to, uh, what I what I what what is one of the foundational principles that I use is relationship. In other words, the people that have a connection with me are the people in which I invest the most time in. That first and foremost being my wife. How many of you know I should spend time with her? Yes? We don't know that? How many of us know that we should spend time with her? Yes? Okay, good. Okay, good. I don't know if y'all talk back in my church. We talk back. Okay? It's more of, a, more of a dialogue versus a monologue up here, okay? So, uh, uh, spending time, and if you don't know, maybe it's a notification. I don't, I don't judge. Spending time with your wife is helpful, okay? And so doing that, right, uh, uh, she's going to get some, some time. She's going to get some priority there, right? And then the, uh, the second thing that we have to recognize is that I'm uh, spending time with my children. As, as, as Pastor Paul said, I have uh, two boys, two girls, right? I have uh, Aylin and Asa and Avonlea and Aaron Judah. Aaron Judah is five weeks old, uh, and, and, and Aylin is five. So my oldest is five. My youngest is five weeks. I haven't slept in years, but God is good. So, so I have time that I spend uh, with them on a regular basis. I have time that I spend with them on a regular basis. And then, then I also have a charge to my church that I spend time uh, uh, with, with Duck, our, my, my, my home church, and, 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 and serving them and, and, and all that God's called me to do. And then, and then our Every Nation family, and it goes from relationship to relationship to relationship because I find that it's not just what God has called you to do, it's who God has called you to do it with. When I, look at, when I look at Pastor Paul and he calls and says, can you come serve? Of course I can because it's not just what I do. It's because of the connection. It's who God has called me to do it with. God has allowed me to have some great connections, some great connectivities. And I, and I, want, to, I want to impart that to you today. That it's not just what God has called victory to do in the corporate mission. It's who he's called you to do it with. Who is sitting next to you in that seat? Who are you building relationship with? Because you've not just been called to win Charlottesville. You have been called to be built together. Amen. Together. Three things that I want to highlight from our text this morning. Uh, bricks, bonding, and building. Bricks, bonding, and building. And I love you all so much that I brought a little kit with me. Brought me a little illustration. Bricks, 
bonding, and building. Y'all ready to rock and roll this morning? Let's get it. Uh, Verses 11 to 13, it says, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At the time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's give some context. Paul the apostle, not Paul the pastor, although he's an amazing man. Uh, He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and Ephesus is having a little bit of issue because there are people that have come to the church that say that it's not just faith in Jesus, there's faith and something else, this thing called circumcision. Now, circumcision was a sign of, uh, of the people that, that followed God, those, those who would later become known as the Jews, this, this culture of people that were called out of Abraham, that, was, that had this covenant, this agreement with God for blessing, and that through uh, uh, the Jews that the world would be blessed, these Jews had now become Christians. And the problem with this was that the Jews had felt like the Gentiles that were joining the church was, were second-class Christians. We ever seen that in culture today? We are in Charlottesville. So there were some people that felt as though uh, that, that it wasn't just faith in God, it wasn't just belief in God, it was also faith and circumcision, faith in this external sign that you believe. And so Paul comes and says, hey, to the Gentile church in Ephesus, right? He says, remember when there was no external sign that you followed God. He says, recall that moment. Do you remember back then when when those who thought that they were better than you uh, uh, would talk about you? Y'all remember those times? Okay, we, okay, okay. That's okay. We're going to keep chopping at this tree. Come on. It says... Then he says in verse 12, he continues the discourse. He says this. This is a picture. So not only did people talk about you, right? He says, and this is what happened. And at that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope, and without God in the world. Now, that's a bad Sunday morning service, okay? That's a bad way. If I came up here and said, here's my exhortation. You're without Christ, without hope. No, no, you have nothing. Uh, you have no knowledge of the promises of God. That, I probably can't come back. I probably wouldn't get another invitation. <laughs> Paul would say, don't even worry about it, bro. You just go serve everybody else, okay? Don't just take us off the calendar, okay? So Paul says, hey, remember when this is what you were like. When you were distant, when you were far away from God. But I'm glad that the story doesn't stop at verse 12. He says that in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were a far way off have been brought near. We have an opportunity every Sunday to celebrate the nearness that we have with God. That we once were a far way off, we once were distant, we once were foreign, but now we have been brought close by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have been brought near, family. And I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten tired or bored with that revelation that Jesus Christ came and brought me near. Not my bank account, not my social status, not my education, the blood of Jesus came and grabbed me. And he did it to those who were a far way off and those who were close. Those who were far way off referring to the Gentiles, those who did not understand and know and have a knowledge of the law. And those who were close to the Jews who did have an understanding and a following of the law. But either way, no matter how close or how far they were, they still couldn't touch God. But what they couldn't do, the blood reached down to do for them. 
He says, but in Christ Jesus, you have been brought near. Romans 5, 8 tells us that God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is the scripture teaching us in there? It's teaching us that in our worst condition, while we were still rejecting, God was still pursuing. That in our, 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 our most jacked up, disgusting, messed up state, Jesus said, they're worth dying for. I'm coming to get them. And Jesus came and reached down from eternity to redeem you. And you might be wondering why he's done that. He's done that to make you into a brick. Jesus came to redeem you, to put you into his hands and make you something that he could build with. He redeemed you to transform you into building material. The value of, of, this, of this brick is based upon how much I'll pay for it. Jesus thought so much of you that he came and said, I'll purchase them with my life. And so out of response to what Jesus has done, we can now respond in gratefulness and in an effort to be the best brick we can be. In fact, we're going to make that a campaign. Be the best brick you can be. What does that mean? I should be a praying brick. I should be a tithing brick. I should be a fasting brick. I should endeavor to be the best brick I can be because of what Jesus Christ paid to set me free. And while we have this understanding that Christ came and, and, and he, he made us into this, this building, he's, or, that, or he, he made us into a building material, we recognize that the brick in and of itself can't really do much. I mean, we could, if the, if we could try to build something with just this. It wouldn't be too impressive. Y'all want to see me build something with this? Wow. I don't know what it is. I just, woo, it's pretty. Isn't it funny how we don't even know how to identify the bricks separated from other bricks? We can't even understand what this is until this brick gets associated with other bricks. And so that brings me to my second point. Yes, Jesus came to make you a brick, but he also came to do some bonding with those bricks. Some bonding with those bricks. It teaches us, if we go further in the, in the text, Ephesians 14 now through 18, We've got bricks and all that Jesus did to redeem us, and now we have bonding. It says, for he is our peace, who has made both one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in and himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. 
He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in, in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So let's break this down. In verse 14 he says, He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Now what's this dividing wall of hostility that the scripture is talking about? We must understand that actually in the, the, the temple, not as a part of God's original design, there was a wall that was added. The wall that was added was so that the Jews would be on one side, one side, and the Gentiles would be on the other. It's like this, never mind. So anyway, so <laughs> y'all pick which side the Jews, which side the Gentiles. Okay, we'll let y'all thumb wrestle that out later. Okay, so so there's 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 this wall, right? Uh, uh, that 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 goes down the middle. And here's the thing: if a Gentile went past that wall, it was actually punishable by death. Not a part of God's original design, but something added in culture. God's design was never for there to be division, but for there to be unity. And so the scripture says that Jesus Christ comes to rearrange things back to the Father's design. He tears down the wall of hostility, right? And then in verse 15, it says this, so that he might create in himself one new man result, uh, one new man from the two, resulting in peace. So he tears down the wall of hostility, and he makes us one. He makes us family. Amen. We're not just saying brother and sister because we've somehow forgotten people's names. <laughs> Don't act like y'all ain't never done it in church, Okay. We're not saying brother and sister just simply as, a, as an illustration because uh, uh, we, we've run out of words to say. We're saying brothers and sisters as a declaration of what Jesus Christ has done, that he came and he lived and he died and he put us in one family. And not only did he put us in one family, he tore down everything that would keep us divided. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. He comes and he tears down this dividing wall of, of hostility. And then verse 16 says that, that he reconciles us both then to God. And verse 17 explains that he proclaimed the good news of peace to those who were far away and those who were near. And then verse 18 says that he equalizes us, right? That we now have access to the Father. I love the fact that grace Grace makes up the space uh, between us and God that no matter how distant you are, grace is automatically measuring the distance and saying, I can create, I can, I can uh, mitigate that gap. I can close that gap. I love, you know, we have uh, Devante's here. Pastor Paul is here. If I stand right here, Devante is closer. Pastor Paul is further. But Devante, from that seat, touch me. You can't. Pastor Paul, from that seat, touch me. So it doesn't matter who was closer, you still can't get here. Grace comes to bridge the gap that says no matter where you are, no matter how far or how close, you weren't close enough. So Jesus came to bridge the gap and to draw us closer again so that we now have the same access to the Father. There is no first class, second class in Jesus Christ. We're all one, and we can all go boldly before his throne. So he comes, and he bridges, bridges the gap. And he bonds us then together. 
And the, the thing that I have found, not, not, not here, we'll talk about my home church since they're not here, okay? <laughs> we enjoy that part of the story. My God, we enjoy what Jesus Christ came to do. We enjoy what he has come, how he has reached, how we have been brought nearby his blood. We enjoy being close to God. But you know where we struggle? Being close to all of y'all. God's never let me down. God's never hurt me. God's provided for me, but you haven't. You have hurt me. You have let me down. And we enjoy the part of the story that I just preached about. But my God, the struggle comes when it's not just reconciled to God. It's reconciled to each other. That bonding. As uh, my friend at, at, at Duck was uh, building this little illustration for me, I had an opportunity uh, to watch him. And as I was watching him, I, I, I found that there were some things that, that he was doing that applied to what the scripture was teaching. In this natural little, little wall illustration, we see that, that there's mortar that comes to bond the bricks together. And I was surprised that the first thing, if we're going to be bonded together, what it's going to take, it's going to take effort. Family, we've got to do something that's a cuss word in church. Try. <laughs> Guess what? We've we got we to do something. We, gotta, we have to try. That means, that means that you're not going to naturally like everybody. Oh, y'all going to act like, okay. <laughs> I ain't scared of y'all. I'm coming. <laughs> you are actually going to have to try. Yeah. And we like to rest, we like to rest in, in our whole, like, well, you know, I don't, you know, I just don't really get along with that person. Or, or you know, I just got one of the personality types that just kind of, mm, I just, I'm not so sure. You ever just have, never mind. So anyway, so <laughs> when he was mixing, mixing this mortar together, he, he had the sand and, and he would pour water in and then he would mix and, and he had the sand and he had to keep doing it until it reached the right consistency. And when he, when he did it, he couldn't just, just plop it on and walk away. He had to plop it on, and then he had to smooth it out. It was, there was a lot of effort that went into this three-brick building. But how many of us know that we're here not trying to build for a three-brick building? We're trying to build a place in which God can dwell in our hearts and in our corporate gathering together. And in order for that to happen, we are going to have to try. It's going to take effort. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take us going to victory groups. <gasps> it's going to take us not just simply fellowshipping here on a Sunday morning in a corporate gathering. It's going to take us actually having to carve out in our schedule because we find it that much of a priority for us to gather outside of Sunday. Amen, AJ. Well, amen to you too. <laughs> it's going to take some effort. The second thing that I noticed 
that as we were bonding together was that it was taking some time. Now, now I, I, I finalized this message on, on Thursday, and I got the idea on Thursday, so I was, I was telling uh, my brother, I said, listen, I said, hey, I love you. Can you build me a wall? <laughs> I was like, I, never mind, I got distracted. So anyway, so I was like, can you build these bricks right together? And, 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 he, and, he, and he was like, sure. Uh, when do you need it? I said, you know, no rush. Uh, Sunday. <laughs> and, and, he was, and he was trying to make sure that it would have enough time to set. That if he did it too late in the process and I tried to move it, it would be dry, but it would not be strong. That the bond had to take some time to fully set in. If our, our, our second thing that we're going to have to recognize in this bonding process is that some stuff isn't going to go as fast as you want it to go. Why? Because if you move it too soon, it'll topple over. I love, you know, if we try to do this, do this same building without the, uh, without the mortar, you know, we can, we, can, we can go real fast. You know, boom, right here, boom, right here, we got it, boom, right here. And we've built the same thing. But how many of you all know, or, or let me ask this, how many of you all would like a building built like this versus this? Huh? Okay, I'm hearing a lot of notes. So what this means, why don't you want me, if I came to build your house like this, what's your problem? Look, I did my thing. There's no bonding agent. So I can build faster without the time, but I can't build more securely. And so if we don't allow the proper time in our relationships, the proper time for us to bond together, you can build something great that'll topple over. So when that program is slowed, that idea is slowed, that thing is turned down, that, that thing that I thought we could do, I thought, well, I don't know why Pastor Paul would have said no to that. I don't understand. Because it's not time. There's a work to be done, and we have to stay with the pace that God is using to bond us together. We, think, we see that it's going to take effort. We see that it's going to take time. And then the third thing that I recognize as I was watching uh, uh, him do this is, is that it takes, it takes some, some pressure. He was explaining to me that, 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 that actually if you, if, you, if you just put the mortar on, a, on, a, on, on the top here, it'll dry just fine. But it won't be as strong because there's nothing sitting on top of it. In other words, the pressure is what makes the bond stronger. I believe in this house, you may have some moments of pressure, but if you lean into the bond, then I promise you it'll be stronger than what the exterior pressure is against you. So we're bonding together. We're going to go to victory groups. Why? Because we recognize that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to show some effort. We're going to be okay with the timeline isn't what we thought it was going to be. Why? Because we understand that the bond is still drying. And we're going to lean into this bond. We're going to allow pressure to be placed on us so that we can have this bond that's a little bit stronger. Are y'all with me, family? Brings me to our final point, building. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says this. 
So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Paul concludes by saying, that once we recognize that we are brick, once we've allowed God to do the bonding, then when we stand back, we'll recognize that he's making us into a building, a building for God to dwell. And in this building, I find that there are three aspects, belonging, fitting, and hiding. Verse 19 teaches us that you are no longer foreigners, and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. What is Paul saying to the Gentiles that have been converted? You belong here. You belong here. And I sense that even as I was coming down the road this morning, that there's a declaration that God makes to this house, that those who are in this room, you belong here. And you might say, well, Pastor AJ, my, my, my brick doesn't look like this. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the difficulty. You don't know the pains. You don't know the challenge. In fact, my brick doesn't look like this. My brick looks like this. I'm still broken. I'm still messed up. I'm still hurting. How can, how can God still use me? But what I appreciate, family, about the grace that God extends, that no matter how close or how far you are, no matter how whole or how broken you feel, there's still a place in the family of God for you. There's still a place. And in the beauty of what God is building, he said, I made a place for my broken bricks to fit as well. There's a place for your brokenness in this house. You fit into what God is building. Not only does he talk about this, this belonging, but it talks about that fitting. As I just said, my son, Asa, the, not the five-week-old, the other one. My, my son, Asa, the four-year-old. <laughs> I think that's how old, four, I think so. Yeah, anyway, we'll go with it. He's average, somewhere in there. My son, he likes to uh, play with uh, puzzles. And at times, he gets frustrated because the, the puzzle doesn't fit. And so what he'll do is he'll, he'll try to, to, to bang the piece in to the wrong spot. Y'all ever had to do that before? And so I'll have to come along and say, Asa, son, you, uh, baby, that, that, that doesn't go here. It doesn't go in this part, right? Listen, it belongs as part of the puzzle. It just doesn't fit here. And so the father comes along and says, no, 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 baby, not there, but right here. I believe as a part of what God is doing in this house, is he saying, yes, everyone does belong here. But what we're doing is making sure that you're fitting here. 
that I'm rearranging, that I'm moving this thing over, that I'm placing this here, that I'm doing this here. And there might be some people that says, well, I've always been here. I've always done this. I've always had this experience. But the Lord is saying, the Father is coming by and saying, stop begging into a place I didn't call you to fit in. He comes by and he says, oh, yes, you belong. But now let me show you where you fit. I feel it so strong in this room that there have been people that have been banging themselves to fit in places that God never called you to fit in. That you have a moment in which you have been called by God that you're worshiping and at the same time you're not fitting. And because you have been staying out of, because you've been in a place that, that you haven't been fitting for so long, you're beginning to think that you don't belong. It's not as though you don't belong. It's simply, it's simply God saying, I want to make sure you're in the right fit. I believe that if you stop resisting the rearranging, that you'll find a greater level of peace. In him, the whole building is being put together. In him, it's all fitting. We talked about belonging. You're no longer slaves, but you're citizens. We talked about fitting this, this whole building being put, toge uh, being put together, built together. But I want to close with this concept of hiding. It says in verse 20 that we're being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. You know, back in, in those times in architecture, they, they, when they were building they wouldn't start, you know, kind of how we do. We kind of lay out a plan and, and we got the woods. Things are different now. But what they were doing, they were actually fitting pieces together as they built. And so they wouldn't, set, they wouldn't start in the center of a wall. They would, they would start at the corner. And they would build out from the corner. Are we in the room? They would build out from the corner. And the scripture says that Jesus Christ has now become that chief cornerstone. He becomes the marker from which the building is built out from. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. But you know what I found, family? The bigger the building gets, the more we forget that. The more I want to present to God the middle of the wall. And I forget, oh, he's, he's the cornerstone. I used to have a lot of uh, uh, chores growing up, and, and one was to, uh, was to sweep the kitchen uh, floor. And I, and, and I hated that chore because I hated chores. I don't know what my problem was. But anyway, I'm reaping that now. Y'all pray for me. Anyway, so the, 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 the part in which I, I, I didn't, didn't like was, was sweeping the floor. And my parents did something that I don't know if parents do today, but it's called inspection. They come, not only did you say that you did it, they go come see if you did it. And the thing about inspection was that my father could always find a part that I missed. And he would always tell me uh, as I'm sweeping to not forget about the corner. And all that you're doing and all the cleaning that you're doing, uh, uh, don't forget about the corner. And he would say, 
that's where the, 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 the dirt is. And all that we're doing and all the shuffling as we're walking, that you, you find the most in the corner. I was looking around. I was, I was, I was living out this sermon I was, as I was leaving our church this morning. I saw a cobweb in a corner. I said, see, that's what the Lord talking about right there. There it is. There's a sermon. I, I counted it as confirmation. I'm preaching. I said, there's that nasty cobweb. This is the message today. Okay, so. I'm walking out of my church this morning uh, for our first service to come down to be with, your, with you all, and I see a cobweb. And I was thinking, I said, man, we're, 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 forgetting, we're forgetting the corners. And I realized that the corners aren't just talking about physical dirt. It's talking about spiritual dirt as well. You know, the corners where we keep our issues where we keep our, our struggles, where we keep our addictions, where we keep our sin, where we keep our, our lack of faith and our lack of hope. And when we're sweeping the floor, we forget to sweep the corner. And the bigger the building gets, the more other people will pay attention to all these other things. Look at the reconciliation work that Victory's doing. Look at what they're doing with children's ministry. Look at this different outreach. Look at what's happening here. And the Lord is saying, but don't you forget about the corners. Don't you forget about that place of hidden sin that you haven't confessed to anyone yet. Because freedom is waiting for you on the other side of that confession. Don't you forget about that, 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 that addiction, that habit, that, that thing that you're, not, that you're not opening up to the Lord. And you might say, oh, I don't know about all this. I don't know that I can open up, 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 up myself like that. I don't know. I've, I've got this responsibility, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm on stage, and I've got to greet, and I've got to do parking, and I've got to set up the signs, and I've got to do all these other things, and, and I've, got to, I've got to be busy with the building. But let me encourage you, family. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. So where do we find him? We find him right in the corner with us. We find him in our dirt. We find him in our mess. We find him in our struggles. We find him in our addictions. Jesus Christ was not meant for your happy days and your great days. He was meant to find you in the valley and march you to a place of hope, promise, and destiny. He was built for the corner. And I want to encourage you, family, that yes, your teammates matter because he sometimes comes in a burning bush. He sometimes comes in the parting of a Red Sea like the chairs. He sometimes comes in these ways. But you know how most often he comes? And the person sitting next to you. And do you know that your healing, your freedom, your wholeness is locked up in the person that came to church with you today. Teammates matter. And family, I want to encourage you, allow God to continue to build you all up together. You aren't being built as a silo brick. He's made you a brick to bond you to others, to build you up, to create the atmosphere and the opportunity for someone to do the same thing. Amen, family. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank the Lord.